Welcome to the first ever C3 Music Podcast. This is episode one, and my name is Dan Karotz, and I'm the worship director at C3 Church in Sydney under the leadership of Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle. We are one church with 11 locations across Sydney. We are also a part of a global movement of C3 churches, and there's around 600 C3 churches across the globe. And in these podcasts, we'll be discussing all things worship. And if you're a worship leader, a worship pastor or director, if you're a singer, a songwriter, a musician, a creative person, if you're a preacher, a pastor, or maybe you're someone out there who has a hunger and a heart for worship, well, these podcasts are for you. And I'm particularly excited about today's podcast. Not only is it our first one, but one of our great team and staff members, Christian Jones, recently got to spend some time with Pastor Phil Pringle, who, as I mentioned earlier, is our senior pastor, but also Pastor Phil and Pastor Chris are the founders of the C3 Church global movement. And Christian and Pastor Phil got to chat and talk all things worship and creativity and songwriting. And I know this interview, I know this podcast is going to bless you. So let's go to that right now. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Pastor Phil. Wonderful, Christian. Great to be here. going to chat about worship, get a bit of your thought and your heart on it. Um, I thought a really good place to start would be, um, can you describe for us like one of your favorite experiences or a moment of worship that you've had? Well, I would say that many uh, of my most deepest and closest experiences with the Lord have happened in an atmosphere of worship and prayer. Mm. So uh, sometimes that's been isolated on my own, uh, like up in a mountain yeah. or in a hotel room mm. or at home praying. Uh, and then other times it's been with an entire congregation yeah, all sure. around. And in that moment, uh, having a vision mm-hmm. or encountering God, the Holy Spirit, in a very dynamic way so that you could say you were hearing the voice of God yeah. or there have been times, many times actually, where I would say my imagination has been touched hmm. by the Holy Spirit so that I start to see visions or pictures in my mind, yeah. in my imagination, and that is part of how God communicates. So uh, I think that for any believer that worship part of a church service is incredibly important and it is the most interactive time for a congregation. So it becomes extremely important that we invest attention and resources into those worship moments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So like for you, for your everyday life, what kind of role does worship play? Well, uh, I'm... I would say that uh, I begin the day with worship. Yeah. I enter with, try and enter the day with praise and not with complaining. Yeah, sure. Or with worry or anxiety or guilt or any of the other things. So I think the 
the first five elements of the Lord's Prayer mm. are to do with God, not us. Yeah. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So that it starts with worship and praise. Mm-hmm. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. So it's like it's centering, praise centers you on God instead of on yourself. Mm-hmm. I think praise is a powerful weapon and should never be underestimated in its ability to bring down strongholds, mm. to dismantle the schemes yeah. of the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so praising God is a way to march into the battle of the day as well. So uh, for me, uh, our worship leaders mm-hmm. our, who and people who write worship songs are doing us a huge favour yeah. because they put something in your mind that you can use as your praise. Yeah, sure. The psalmist, he gave us words. Mm-hmm. And especially when our own words feel insufficient, we can take a hold of something that is in Scripture or something that has been sung in church, and we can just start singing that. And I would find regularly myself singing. I go bike riding. Yeah, cool. Uh, and often when I'm bike riding, whether it's a push bike or a motorbike, yeah. uh, I find myself just singing yeah, really? uh, worship songs. And, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm much of a singer, but I don't think that really matters. <laughs> no, uh, not at all. I love just singing songs. And I think uh, songs start singing themselves sometimes. Yeah. And so up out of the depths of our spirit, God will elicit worship. Yeah, sure. So those those songs, are they songs that you know? Are they spontaneous stuff? Mostly, to tell you the truth, they're spontaneous. Yeah, cool. They are words that are formed in my own uh, mind. I've written a number of worship songs in mm-hmm. years gone by, mm-hmm. by gone years. Uh, I'm not, uh, I shouldn't really have neglected that. Gift, Bring I guess, uh, and I should stir it up. Bring but, it back. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I should, you know. But, uh, yeah, way back I uh, did write some songs uh, and they came out of sometimes just when you're freewheeling mm. in the spirit uh, in church, singing in the spirit, a certain melody will come to me Yeah, and I repeat it a few times and it can be the the seed or a song. Mm-hmm. Mm. Is there anything that you've done to help cultivate that? Is it something that just kind of just happens? Yeah, no, I, I would say I I always am um, breathtaken by creation. Mm. I'm completely gobsmacked when I just look at a bird sometimes. I, that's unbelievable. Or looking at a mountain or a tree or lakes. And I find that helps me. Yeah, sure worship God. And when I think of what he's done in uh, in our lives, mm. it's a surprise. And so I definitely feel that worship is the least I can do. It's, yeah. Paul says it's your reasonable service. So. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible comes from 1 Chronicles. It's where King David insists on paying for the oxen and the threshing floor so he can bring a sacrifice. Um, and he says, I won't bring a sacrifice that costs me nothing. And I think 
now in today's society, we don't obviously sacrifice animals as part of our praise and <laughs> worship for the most part. Um, but how do we how do we worship today in a way that costs us something? Yeah, that that could be answered in at several layers. Mm. I think the most obvious layer is that if we stand in church, lift our hands and praise God, and then the offering comes by and we just put nothing in, yeah. that worship has been uh, cheap. Sure. It's, it's, it hasn't cost anything. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's just words. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to back our words with substance yeah. from our life. And I believe that when we give that 10% as our tithe, we... It's, it's not just money. That represents 10% of our work life, yeah. our earning life. And so God accepts the token as though, as though it was the whole. Sure. It's, he works on representation a lot. Mm-hmm. Adam was the representation of the entire human race, yeah. present and future. And so on that basis that... Uh, you know, we were dealt with accordingly. And same with Jesus. Mm. Jesus is our representative man. Goliath was the representative man for the Philistines. David, the representative man for the Israelites. And those, whichever individual one, the entire nation became the recipient of the consequences. Mm. So coming back to the tithe, when we bring that, it's like a representation of our entire life. Yeah being given, our entire finances being given yeah. to the Lord. And, uh, and so I think that that's the first layer mm. of, of our worship having a price tag on yeah. it. I think uh, the, another level is that we worship God when we don't want to, mm-hmm. when we maybe are upset with the way life is turning out. Yeah. And instead of accusing God or complaining to God, Mm-hmm. We bring a sacrifice of praise. Yeah. It's difficult to praise him when I think that he could have answered the prayer or could have acted sooner or he he doesn't seem to be keeping his word. Mm. Uh, these are real moments yeah. in every believer's life uh, if we're honest with ourselves and we should face those yeah. moments and talk with God about it, all the prophets did, or the psalmist did. Yeah, totally. And 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 then, in spite of that reality, we bring him worship. Mm. We bring him praise. Yeah. Um, and then the third level, again, it's in the world of resources or finances or skills or talents or life. I think uh, when Mary put broke that alabaster box, Yeah, she, it was considered waste. It was considered way too extravagant. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just the tithe. Yeah. It wasn't like I'm giving 10% of this. Yeah, sure. She just poured out. Yeah, it was a whole thing. And Paul says, pour out your life. He says, my life has been poured out like a mm. drink offering. And so real worship will cost us everything. Yeah. Real worship. And when we... Do that, I think uh, we'll find we're in a dimension, a level of living that is far beyond normal Christian life. Yeah, uh, it might might cost us to be thrown in the fire, like the three young boys who would not bow down to a false god mm-hmm. because they worship the true god. Mm. And they said, "Look, King, throw us in the fire." 
our God is able to deliver us. Yeah. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, yeah, we're not going to bow down. Yeah. We're going to worship the true God. So mm. they had counted the cost and said, either way, we're good. Yeah. Mm. Do you feel like do you feel like we kind of miss that a bit? I, I do. We're in a pretty self-absorbed society <laughs> in the selfie world, the I world, you know, it's um I think uh, the need for us to travel through struggles and wrestlings that break us down a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about having breakdowns. I mean, yeah, but sure. break down the selfishness, yeah. uh, the self-centeredness, I think is important. And the same sun that rises in the sky every day melts butter mm. but makes clay hard. Mm. And God on our lives can melt us or harden us depending on our response to the Lord. If he's asking of us something and we feel it's too much, I mean, I I, I know people who have problems with even the idea of a tithe or of lifting Mm -hmm. hands in Mm -hmm. worship. Yeah. I mean, they're they're nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. (laughs) Yeah, when he's asking you to pick up your cross, and die to yourself on an issue, mm. give up a relationship or yeah. walk away from circumstances that you want to ha- hold on to. And he seems to know which nerve to touch. Yeah, sure. What what might affect one person may not affect another. And so that it's that nerve that's the worship nerve. And mm. I think at that point that's we great. we we go, God, I'm I, I'm broken to you on this and yeah. I'm gonna pour out my heart and soul in worship. And Thanksgiving, I, you know, uh, I also think that worship is that environment in which the Holy Spirit will move. Mm-hmm. Never underestimate the power of music, of song, of worship. God's power flows mm-hmm. through the song. Yeah, no oh, doubt yeah. about it. Absolutely. And we are moving into such a massive revival in the earth, and much of it will be just worship. Yeah. Do you have do you have any thoughts as to why that's the case? Like why music seems to carry that? Uh, it's a universal language. Yeah, cool. You can sing the song Hallelujah in any language on mm. earth. And and these days there's a lot of O O O's in songs yeah. or woes. And, and I love it, you know, because sometimes words fail us. Yeah. We're 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 speechless in the presence and I think it's just tasting the Lord uh, in worship. Worship can take you places where nothing else can. And it's just that melody of heaven that helps us all in a congregation move to a greater place of unity than anything else will. Mm -hmm. When you're all singing the same words, Mm. singing the same melody, there's a feeling of unity. And on that unity... uh, the Bible says the anointing, yeah. the spirit of God falls. Yeah, amazing. Um, I ask, when the church started 30 plus years ago, um, how crucial was worship to that, to the, the birthing and the starting of the church and then eventually, I guess, the movement? Worship's always been big yeah. for me. Uh, I'm a Kiwi uh, <laughs> by origins and... We had a huge move of God in the 70s mm. where the Jesus Revolution and the charismatic move mm-hmm. and uh, then the church planting move, basically. And those early days of the Re- Jesus Revolution and the, and the uh, charismatic move all were inundated with worship. Yeah. 
Uh, I came from a church where we would sometimes have two-hour worship services. Some This is just Sunday morning. This wasn't special revival meetings or, yeah. or a conference. Uh, uh, one of the churches in town, which was famous for worship, would have uh, three-hour worship services, and people would stay. Mm. They, would, they would do that. Uh, uh, when I came to Australia to plant the church, I tried to start like that, and the Lord said, yep. uh, don't do that here. It's not going to work uh, at this point. Amazing. Let's just start out at this level. Scripture and song, uh, David and Dale Garrett, mm-hmm. uh, they were the origins in many ways of that worship movement where they put out scripture and song albums. Yeah. And then that grew and grew. And when we first came to Sydney, I found worship became a huge part. Straight away I invested in worship. It was one of the first things I put on. One of the first appointments for staff was our full-time worship leader mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so that he could enlist worshipers, uh, develop worshipers, create a volunteer team, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So that, and these people needed to be anointed people. Yeah. So it wasn't just a gig that somebody was to do on Sunday. They needed to be set apart and consecrated mm-hmm. to that purpose just like a preacher needs to prepare with a message and himself for preaching on Sunday, I believe a worship leader should mm. be doing exactly the same yeah, thing absolutely. for leading worship on a Sunday yeah. or on a weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So you were saying how uh, it used to be like these people doing three-hour-long worship services, which now in today's, I guess, Christian culture in some situations that seems crazy, but certain people... Um, that I've spoken to and related to in other church, churches are kind of swinging back towards that. Do you see, I guess, like a reasoning behind that? Because we definitely swung towards a shorter service and shorter yeah. set. Well, I uh, I see that too, Christian, mm. which is awesome. Yeah. You know, it, there's a hunger for it. And if there's a hunger for it, that presupposes that there must be a reality that people are hungering for that, can't be satisfied in one-hour church services. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think we're moving in the wrong direction if we keep shortening cool. church services. Sure. Uh, we hear like our lengthening hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to um, adjust some of the structure of Presence Conference mm-hmm. so that we can spend time lingering in that service. Understand, though, yeah. to have a three-hour worship service with the presence of God is awesome. Mm-hmm. To have a three-hour worship service without the presence <laughs> of God yeah. can be gruesome. Oh, gosh. You know, so yeah. you want people to look at their watch at the end of a worship service. Good. How did that happen? Yeah. I, oh, you know, that yeah. felt like five minutes and a whole 40-minute yeah. time of worship has, has transpired because in the presence of the Lord, it is such a vastly different sense than when we are not. Mm. And if you've ever been in a church service, as I, you know, I'm sure you have, where there's just nothing, it's dead. Yeah. One song is too many. Yeah, totally. It's like, oh, this is just religious observation. Yeah. But when there is an openness to the Holy Spirit coming in there and there is a deep communion and everybody can enter into it, people will just want more. They are mm. hungry for more. So when we get mystified at how could they spend 10 days in Pentecost waiting yeah. for that, the Holy Spirit, 
when you're in, in that presence of mm. God and you have a hunger for God, uh, you definitely are, are going to be finding yourself in a, in a whole new dimension. And out of that comes prophecy. Yeah. Gifts of the Spirit emerge quickly out of times of worship. And, uh, and a lot of ministries are born. A lot of people do business with God. Mm -hmm. They deal with issues in their lives. Mm -hmm. They get healed. Any number of miracles and supernatural phenomena are going to happen when people are in that place of spirit-inspired worship. Yeah. So like for anybody that wants to bring that into their weekend services or connect groups and wants to begin to see that kind of thing happen, are there any keys you've got to kind of help develop that, help bring about that? Well, I think uh, there needs to be a decent amount of prayer yeah, that sure. has gone beforehand by whoever the leaders are and uh -huh. their teams. I think uh, you can't give something you haven't got. Yeah. So if you haven't got the Holy Spirit on you and the sense of his presence, it's not going to travel into... It's not like you're going to be able to give and create something that you haven't got an affinity with. So mm. I think anybody who wants to move in the Holy Spirit should come to C3 College and, yeah, and come to the classes Very about good. moving in the Spirit. Or, or uh, no, it's, it's like they need to become sensitized yeah. to the Holy Spirit. It's a great word. So that he is a priority above other things. Uh we too often grieve him or quench him. Mm. We quench him when we shut things down that where he wants to move or we grieve him with bad attitudes mm -hmm. or uh, the lack of gravity we might give to yeah. the Holy Spirit. So uh, we need to make sure he is the priority. He is a very undemanding, uh, humble spirit. Yeah. And so if we ignore him, it's not like he's going to... Uh, force his way into our schedule. Mm -hmm. We need to invite him in mm. and allow the spirit to have his way in church services. And that means not grieving him with music or attitudes or whatever, anger or uh, uh, angry vex vexations mm -hmm. in the in people's hearts and people's minds. It takes a while for for us to come to a place where our hearts are ready uh, for God. Yeah. And I think that preparation uh, for any worship leader, for any preaching, should happen prior to those public worship services. Mm. And if we're not a private worshipper, putting on a big presentation on Sunday isn't going to make up for it. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Not at all. If anything, it just magnifies the lack. Yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> feel free to not answer this. But uh, as, a, as a church, we've released like well over 40 albums and EPs, especially right. like talking globally, C3 yes. as a movement. Yeah. Um, since like the 80s, so right. 30, 30 plus years. Are there any favorites you've got? Any favorite albums? Any favorite songs? Well, uh I, I like celebration as much as I like worship, actually. Yeah, cool. I would not, I, I mean, sometimes people say, oh, worship's, you know, the ultimate and praise and thanksgiving, that, you know, kind of poor cousins mm -hmm. or something. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they all sit pretty much in the same, the same zone and uh, 
you won't get to worship unless you've travelled through praise. Mm. And you won't get to praise unless you've travelled through thanksgiving, I think. Yeah. They're the ones that get you Solid. off the ground and mm-hmm. give your, get your wings of worship flying so that you can then just soar with that, that sense of worship that carries you into heaven. Uh, so there are a lot of celebration songs that I think are great. I think today uh, that Classic. my son Joseph yeah. sang uh, on a few albums back was pretty good. I think we have a vision, which yeah, was no, might have been on our very first album. I, yeah, that's I can't, right. You know, if I go way back and we walk by faith. Yeah, uh, I think Chris Folson wrote those. Mm. Uh, I think Prophesy was a great song that was yeah. uh, Chris uh, who wrote that uh, and uh, Prophesy, Prophesy. <laughs> I mean, going back and looking at it on a video. It, it, oh, it's good stuff. It, yeah, it's, uh, it, but you can feel it, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. And so a lot of those are celebratory mm-hmm. songs. Uh, and more, more recently, I think, Songs of Expectation. Yeah. Uh, it, for me personally, it's a great song. I love singing. It's very hymnal, very pilgrimage-oriented. I'm not sure it's always going to be easy for a congregation to sing yeah. a song like that. But uh, we love it in this congregation, oh, yeah. that's for sure. I think uh, it, more recently in our most recent album I, that we haven't even released yet, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, I think um, The Father's Heart oh, yeah. uh, as a worship song, oh, it's, it's a killer. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, heart-rending because it, it's about intimate relationship with the Father. Yeah, beautiful. So that's beautiful. I think Ryan Smith's song, The Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, that's a good uh, track. Was a, there's probably too many for me to remember all. No, that's right. I've done a pretty good list so far. Yeah, but when I think back of songs of our albums that have been awesome, I think uh, Yours mm. uh, is a great celebration song. Yeah, the LA guys. Did Came out of LA, that. but we've recorded it as well. Mm. Uh, stuck it on one of our albums. So uh, that, that's really very singable. Uh, for congregations and uh, I think uh, possibly the greatest worship song that lasted the longest of our albums was Holy, Holy, Holy. Mm. Uh, and I can't, I can't remember which album. I remember those graphics though on the back screen mm. going for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, uh, that was, yeah, uh, they were amazing, amazing songs mm. for their time. but. God keeps moving on and inspiring new songs because sing to the Lord a new song. Yeah, totally. Do you think there's a um, there's a place for revisiting some of that old stuff? Yeah, but you don't want to do it for old time's sake. Or great, let's sing a song great. for yeah, great. Uh, old time's sake. Uh, yeah, love uh, nostalgia and uh, sentiment. Uh, they're not good motivations, yeah, I don't cool. think, for worship. I think... Uh, if you revisit a song, then rearrange it and mm-hmm. get some new uh, new angles uh, on why you are singing that song and why you are using it at this particular time. There's not a lot of songs that can outlast their season. Yeah, sure. Something like Amazing Grace obviously mm-hmm. has outlasted every season, and uh, but but. Songs have a season yeah. and we need to recognise when it's over and yeah. move on. Yeah, cool. That's great. So you yourself is, have actually done a lot of songwriting, mm-hmm. as you kind of were talking about earlier. 
Um, and none of your own songs were on that list. So no fear not. Yeah, that's a little, you know, I'm, I'm not man. that impressed They're with classics. myself, I guess. Songs. I'd rather other, if, if, if it was somebody's favourite, rather somebody else say that. But yeah, Fear Not, were, it did do pretty well for its day. We were, we were the, I think, I'm correct in saying this, mm. we're the fir- first church in Australia anyway that was started recording live albums. Mm-hmm. So we'd record our congregation singing and... Yeah. Uh, and in those early yeah. days, songs like Fear Not, it was pretty raw, but it it's caught on, you yeah. know. It caught on and oh, yeah. uh, took off around the world. There were a few people mm. sent me letters, troops in in uh, in war, were in the trenches yeah. were singing it. Oh, Fear amazing. Not, for I am with you. And, uh, and uh, somebody told me they, they pretty much came back to life because of that song. Wow. They drowned in a bath. Uh, because they took too many pills of some kind. Oh. But that song surfaced in their brain and they just started singing it under the water. So you walk through the water, you'll not be drowned. Amazing. Came up out of the bath, <laughs> fell unconscious on the floor and uh, said they attributed that to that song coming wow. up, you know, on the inside of them. Yeah. Well, there's people still singing it. <laughs> Currently, I get reports. Uh, <laughs> That's hilarious. Different things, and yeah. yeah, people in um, Asia and Europe are still yeah. rocking Fear Not. So yeah, well, it's good. TX season's good song, still going. Yeah, yeah. Do you prefer the original or Fear Not version two point <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think yeah, the second one probably <laughs> improved on it. Yeah, it's great. Um, anyway, the actual question behind that was: uh, Do you have, as a writer, both of songs, books, and poetry, do you have anything that you'd like to see? develop within worship songwriters? Well, if I was a serious songwriter, I would think I should write maybe two, three songs a day. Yeah, well. Because not all the songs you write are going to be great songs. Not all the songs you write are for public consumption. Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of the songs you write and a lot of the poems I write, I've got filled journal after journal after journal with poems. So I'd write a lot more poems Mm -hmm. than I would uh, songs. And poems uh, for me tend to uh, elicit an area from my soul that I can't access any other way. Mm -hmm. So when I reread those poems, and I think poetry in general does that, it's very spiritual. It touches you at a level uh, and a depth that I don't think anything else can. And I think any songwriter should be involved in creative writing or creativity of some kind because because they're unearthing an area in their soul that is very godlike. Yeah. Very creative. Yeah. Wow. I'm feeling convicted right now and encouraged <laughs> all at the same time. Well if I was a preacher, I should be putting together one sermon a day. And I probably am in yeah, short sure. version, big version. But this morning I was thinking, man, that will preach. Yeah. Uh, And so I just got three. In fact, I thought of two sermons. I thought I could do a sermon on that. Uh, And this was about, I thought I'd preach to young adults Mm -hmm. on this, how that whatever reason you've got for following Jesus, ultimately it has to become one that is impelling you from within rather than compelling you from without. Yeah. And I think a lot of people follow Jesus because they had a crisis mm-hmm. on the, in their life and he fixed it and so yeah. they come to church for a while. But eventually that needs to become, I'm going to follow Jesus 
whether I've got a crisis or not. Yeah. And I was thinking of when Peter said to Jesus after he had prophesied about John, he said, um, oh, he prophesied about him, Peter. He says, and what's going to happen to this disciple? And Jesus said, you follow me. Mm. What's it to you? What happens to mm. this guy? Yeah. So I, I think what other people are doing, and we live in a world of comparison through Instagram, yeah. that we are often going to church because other people do or because our parents made us yeah. or because we should or because yeah, we sure. ought to. But eventually we've got to get it deep in our own heart. I'll follow Jesus if the whole world decides to forsake him. Mm. I'm going to, I've made a commitment that I am going to live for Christ. And mm. I think that that's a message that needs to be preached. So yeah. that was one yeah, today. Right. And I'm a preacher, yeah, so sure. I'm always thinking of messages mm. and writing them down in my journal yeah. that I'll preach that. Yeah, amazing. So as a preacher, when you get up on, on stage, is there anything that you... Uh, that the worship team can do to help you, to help that? Because you obviously travel a lot, you preach a lot, and you've worked with a lot of different worship teams and seen probably the best and worst that's out there. Hmm. What can what can worship teams do behind a preacher to help them? Yeah, well, as a preacher and a pastor, I think uh, it's, it's really important that uh, the worship team love the congregation. Yeah. Absolutely. And when I say the worship team... Uh, I'm meaning the sound man, yeah. the lighting guy, yeah. the smoke guy, yeah. the, the everybody, yeah, the speaker, sure. the screen guy, the graphics team. Everything should enhance the worship experience. Mm. So if if the worship team think they're only the band or the singers on the stage, they're mm. wrong mm. because they can do a brilliant job. But if a screen guy is failing to get the words up on the screen, yeah. nobody's singing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Especially if it's a new song. Yeah. So you just sing your heart out on the stage. <laughs> but if that guy isn't getting words up, yeah. the congregation aren't there and it's going to be a very difficult service. Yeah. So that guy needs to go to rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And if if the thing is being filmed, which a lot of services are these days, the camera people should go to it as well mm. so that they know when there's a lead break, if there is, mm -hmm. or who's going to be singing what, so that the camera doesn't kind of swing slowly around and finally yeah, sure. find the drummer when it's a drum solo yeah. or finally find the person who's actually singing yeah. the words. They need to be there half a second before that yeah. person starts doing their thing yeah. so that it, it's intelligent, It looks and there's nothing that is distracting mm -hmm. from the worship mm -hmm. uh, and and the lighting guy I mean if he's got lights blaring in people's eyes yeah. they, they can't see if the sound guy's got one particular volume up way too high mm -hmm. if the volume's too hot and people are, are distracted by the pain in their ears so they're mm -hmm. walking out the doors they're not worshiping sure. because the whole team needs to love the congregation. Yeah. And I think if everything goes through that filter, mm -hmm. how are we helping the people worship? How are we enhancing the worship? Yeah. How are we not distracting from the worship? That sets it up for the pastor. And then they should love the pastor. Mm. So when he gets up, they're not trying to do their thing as opposed to his thing. They're just intentionally supporting what he is doing yeah. so that they've opened the meeting, they've opened heaven for the pastor. They haven't closed the meeting. Mm -hmm. So he's got to spend the next five minutes reopening something that got shut down because the segues were wrong yeah, or, sure. or they just finished badly or they 
the, the last song I did was a real dud. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't go and it was too melancholic. It yeah. was, didn't have lift or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the dynamics of the worship team are far greater than the dynamics of the preacher. Oh. Uh, pre teaching preachers is easy compared mm. to the wide range of areas that are involved in that worship experience. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, they just need to open the meeting, not close it for yep. the preacher. And, yeah. uh, and if they can get a level of faith and spirituality and spiritual atmosphere in that meeting that is high, that preacher can come in straight away and just start going for it. Mm. I'd rather have three anointed worshippers on the stage than 30 unanointed people who are just making a big noise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah big time. One of my favourite, um, probably favourite moments of the entire year is uh, your Holy Spirit sessions at Presence. Right. It's just the absolute best, just the sense of God in that in that room. Right. So I wanted to ask when you're, when you're in the zone, because nobody does it like you, <laughs> it's amazing. When, when you're there and you're flowing and the band's behind you, I've been in situations where people have felt hesitant or unsure. Then I've been in other situations where people are like playing too loud. How do we uh, how do we get that balance where we're partnering with you? I guess yeah. ministering alongside you while you are doing. It's that. a great question, and uh, it's um, yeah to work together with a worship team is is interesting. Mm. Uh, and as you say, I do travel a lot, and I am in a lot of meetings. And generally, I, I find most everybody's pretty good. They're, yeah. they're very, very good these days. There's Great. been a lot of training, a lot of mm -hmm. equipping. Um, the, the only thing that, that does uh, still need assistance is exactly what you're saying, that they know how to flow with you when you're doing what you're doing mm -hmm. so that they're not too loud, they're not too slow, they're not too jumpy, they're not to funeral-esque. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the most common mistake I come across is the pad sounds that the keyboard player plays when you get up. Mm. And they think, uh, I don't know what they think often, it's meant to be an atmosphere creator. Yeah. But most often it sounds like maybe an organ with the flu. Sure. It's this sort of... Yeah. And you can't make out what it's going. So I have to just say, hey, thanks very much. Okay. That was awesome. And, yeah, sure. uh, and, 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 and not have anything. I, I, I'd rather not have anything than have. And then there's the other problem when it's noticeable because it's so loud. Mm. And, and, and it's just the person is drawing attention yeah. to what they're playing and themselves. So that's another difficulty there. The best I know have a, have a beautiful synthetic pad sound mm -hmm. with a slight piano attack on the top yeah. of it and they're playing it with a really uh, sensitive level of volume, pace mm -hmm. and everything to what they're listening to what you're saying. Yeah. And enhancing it, yeah, that's key. Uh, and if if you making an emphatic point, they they rise in mm -hmm. volume and help, yeah, because they're listening to you. They're not lost in their own world. Yeah. Uh, if if any musician is drawing attention to themselves, that's they're in the wrong game trying to be a worship leader because <laughs> yeah. it's totally not what we're trying to do. Oh, we are trying to draw people's attention 
towards Jesus. Mm. And, uh, and that, that is super important. But that sort of personality uh, that might be impressed with themselves or mm. not really broken to the Lord uh, will find it very difficult to read what that preacher is doing, yeah. what that person who's moving in the spirit is trying to do because they can't get there. Then just It's beyond their makeup. Yeah, uh, it, they're not broken and yielded. They're not laying down their life. They're wanting to impress somebody. They're yeah. wanting to strut their stuff. They're yeah, wanting sure. to. So, but maybe that's their thing in some other scene, but not in that scene. Mm. When the when the moving of the spirit is going to happen, there needs to be a person who's somewhat broken uh, and yielded and completely. Un, unbothered by being invisible, yeah, and not noticed, and just enhancing the moment and helping the spirit flow. The anointing flows on a musician; mm. they don't have to be singing anything. David, uh, when he played his instrument, it disarmed demons; it mm. neutralized the devil. Mm. And so Saul discovered that when that spirit of depression would come on him. He'd they call for David and he'd be made better. Yeah, exactly. The um, Over the last couple of months here in Sydney, um, I guess we've been doing more of that, more of flowing with mm-hmm. the spirit, seeing what God wants, wants to do. And it oftentimes has led to um, singing in the spirit, singing yes. in a he- heavenly language, singing in tongues. Right. Um, so I, I've noticed the rise of that over the last yes. couple of months and personally I'm loving it. Right. Um, but can I just ask, out of those, like, like what exactly would you call it? Like, is it singing in tongues? Is it singing in the spirit? Is it singing in a heavenly language? Are they all the same same thing? Different. I terms think it's the what same Paul thing? calls spiritual songs. Sure. And uh, he also refers to though I sing in the spirit. Mm. So it was something that the early church did engage in. Yeah. I have no doubt. Freewheeling, oh, yeah. off the page, worship. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that you just find yourself singing and worshiping, and yeah. uh, and there are different textures of worship. And that's one of them. Mm. Another one might be just when people uh, find themselves laughing <laughs> in the presence of God. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing when it's the spirit. Yeah. Uh, there are all kinds of r- flows in the river yeah. of God. And uh, it seems to me that what was once was seen in the spirit, when I said those three-hour worship meetings, yeah. that was what the bulk of it was, Sure. just singing in yeah. tongues and yeah, singing well. in in heavenly language and singing in English. Yeah. I, well, when we're singing like that, mm. more often than not, I'm singing in in English yeah, sure. as well. Just saying, bless God, you know, and yeah. holy, holy. And, yeah. But uh, I think that the best expressions of this that I am seeing are in the middle of a worship song. Yeah. So that we will start a song and then there's just a break Mm -hmm. in the song. And the thing that's heartening me more than anything, I guess, is that they are not, uh, people are not singing out of the beat of the song or the melody of the song, but actually out of the content of the words in the song. Yeah. So they are worshiping intelligently. I'm hearing when people are when they're singing, Christ rose, gaining victory mm-hmm. out of the grave, wiping out sins and destroying the works of the enemy. 
people are shouting and clapping yeah. and magnifying God. And then that leads into a time of free-spirited worship. Yeah. And if the musicians and the worship leader are cognizant of that, they're able to actually extend that gap till the point where you just feel it fading off yeah, and then sure. pick up on the song again. Yeah, great. And the revisiting of the song has so much more dynamism in it yeah. because of that that kind of gaining a new level of consciousness mm. of God or going through a few more veils into the presence of God. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. How do you, um, is it knowing when to do that? Is that just sensitivity to the Holy, Holy Spirit getting familiar with, with that? Or are there like specific cues, I guess, that you've I think it's a combination of uh, primarily actually sensitivity to the congregation. Yeah, cool. Because I, you can hear it and feel it when they've, you know, they've kind of they've spent. Yeah. Okay? They've you peaked. Yeah. Uh, and it's starting to go off the top, and you should respect that because the the spiritual stamina or the worship stamina of a congregation is what they can yeah. cope with. Yeah, sure. So yeah. live with that reality. Don't say, hey, let's come on, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah. And and I've seen that happen too many times where the worship leader's stamina is great, but mm. he's not reading the congregation. Yeah, sure. They're kind of done, buddy. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, you've been doing this for 30 minutes now. Oh, gosh. And that was a really good worship yeah. service 10 minutes ago. Mm. Now people hate it. Mm. You know, what was a good song can become a really bad song. Yeah, seriously. Because you just got to love it so much as the worship leader that you kept singing and singing. You didn't open your eyes and look out there and see nobody's got their hands up. Yeah. They're just looking at you. Having your own spiritual experience up on the stage, you're not yeah. meant to be doing it. You're meant to love those people. Yeah, that's it's great. okay. I gently lead those that are. That's a shepherd's heart, and yeah. and so I think you can build their stamina like fitness mm. over time. Yeah, people get more and more mm-hmm. ready to pray longer, to praise longer, to mm-hmm. worship longer, but you can't take them there immediately. Yeah. It, it would seem. It would seem to me. Oh, totally. And I think so. Reading. The congregation mm. is the first sensitivity we should have uh, because if I was to reply to that question and say, yeah, figure out what the Holy Spirit is doing, sometimes mm-hmm. the person can feel that anointing on yeah, them. Yeah, sure, yeah. But you've got to translate that into how you can best serve the people yeah. and take them That's very good. to where they can mm-hmm. actually cope with going. Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. That's good. That's such a good answer. Um, just got a couple more questions before we finish up. Um, you sent us a quote the other day from uh, An Unstoppable Force by Erwin McManus. Um, and in it, he describes the current transition of society from words to images and to yep. becoming multi-sensory. Mm-hmm. Um, and he quotes in it, um, for us, worship many times encompasses not only the teaching of the word and worship through song, but also the use of sculpture, painting, dance, aromas, and film. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask uh, both how you see that working out in people's everyday life, but also how that would work out in our weekend services at church. Okay, uh, it's a great it's a great new day for mm. for the arts yeah. in church, and I've always 
wanted to see a, a renaissance of the arts in the church because I think we once occupied that territory yeah. where we dominated. Mm. Uh, the best stained glass windows, pictures, paintings, music, buildings, cr- all that creativity that once the church owned has somehow got lost and we we ended up having shoebox buildings and banal music and mm. just horrible sort of also and we settled for it and thought this somehow maybe thought that this was more pious to be like that than it was to be yeah. glorious yeah sure but we should represent god in, in a glorious manner yeah. i believe and so mm. uh, the, the the need to employ all of the arts so on the negative i look at some color combinations sometimes and it makes me feel sick sure have you ever done that? Yeah, it, oh, I, totally. I, I look at that. And go, oh, it's just—it's it, yeah. not good. Yeah. Uh, I've looked at some images mm-hmm. sometimes that have made me feel really bad. Yeah, you know, it's—it's it's an ugly piece of humanity. Yeah, uh, and so the effective imagery it, uh, induces emotions in us. Yeah, and therefore, it would seem to me that a beautiful stained glass window evokes worship. Mm-hmm. So a beautiful graphic on a screen mm-hmm. can help my worship. Yeah. When I look at that, I go, wow, that is just gorgeous. And, uh, and that doesn't mean that we just play images off the blue planet all day long. <laughs> I think we can cre- allow a lot more creativity. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be ugly or so quirky that nobody really gets it. Yeah, yeah. And totally. I will sometimes say to our Arts guys, hey, that's a little too quirky for everybody. Uh, yeah. We need to we need to have something that lifts people's spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm an artist. I paint mm-hmm. a lot, and I try for all of my painting so that it has a lift in it. Yeah, cool. And I think uh, that applies to graphics, applies to the fonts we use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it applies to the the way we film congregations. I think uh, it applies to the aroma. Mm-hmm. I, I have totally agree we should use aroma in church life and I think there's aromas that make you feel sick mm-hmm. aromas that make you feel headachy yeah aromas that actually make you smile yeah wow that's so beautiful that mm. smell mm. and I think all of our senses should be able to be touched uh, in such a way that it, it causes worship it helps enhances the whole worship experience you know when they burnt incense on the altar in the mm. In the temple in Jerusalem, it would travel two kilometers. Some commentators have said that it was smelled up to twenty kilometers away, but it would it would travel all around the city. Yeah, the aroma. So it wasn't just for the priests in the temple. Yeah, sure. It affected the atmosphere of mm. the entire city, and mm. I think that's what our worship yeah wow. uh, should do. So people just generally are feeling better. Because yeah. the church down the road has been worshipping and yeah, there's an aroma great. that comes out of Christ being elevated. I'm not sure if you've ever been to a, a funeral of a great person, mm. uh, but to me it seems like there's an aroma, yeah, a spiritual aroma of that person's life. Yeah, sure. And, and I think Jesus, mm. when he is elevated, creates an aroma and Paul mm. talks about the aroma of Christ mm. being made manifest everywhere. That's amazing. Mm. So good. So final question. 
Um, what do you see for the future of worship? I would ask probably both globally and also for us as a church and as a movement, like right. what do you see? Is there anything prophetic? Is there anything apostolic? What's, well, what's I, in your spirit? Well, I certainly do not think it's going to get lesser. Yeah. And I certainly do not think it's going to remain as it is. Mm. The, all the promises are that the earth will be filled with the glory of God mm. as the waters cover the sea. So I cannot see anything but uh, praise and worship becoming thunderous. Yeah. Like enormous right. waterfalls. It begins like a, worship begins like a trickle in the book of Genesis. Yeah. It ends as a thundering waterfall and river mm. in the book of Revelation, <laughs> where it just says the whole of the heavens are filled with songs of praise and worship. I think it's the key of David that opens and no man shuts. The key was praise and worship. And so I think that heaven opens to a worshipping people. Yeah. And for heaven to come to earth with 7 billion people on it, mm. the church has to be a worshipping church. Yeah. I think uh, that's half the equation. Yeah, sure. That we are a worshipping church. I think that we also have to be an outreaching church. Yeah. With, for salvations, for community help, for yeah. all kinds of areas. Genuine worship doesn't stop on the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. It comes down the mountaintop and heals the sick and takes what it got on the mountain out during the week to the streets. So worshipping people aren't just locked in this eternal embrace with heaven. <laughs> they are also uh, reaching into earth yeah. with what they got in heaven. Yeah, mm. it's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Pastor Phil. Thanks, Chris. Talking about worship. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. God bless. Wow, amazing. Lots of incredible discussion there. I hope that helped you. hope that blessed you. And that's the end of today's podcast. In closing, we're going to show you a snippet of the first single of our new church album, which comes out at the end of March. And the first single drops on the 14th of February. It's a song called The Father's Love, which is all about um, the story of the prodigal son, written by one of our great team members here in Sydney. And so we're going to show you a snippet of that song. Be blessed. Have a great day wherever you are in the world. We love you. Be blessed.